All right, guys, we're back with our first repeat guest. We're going to welcome Chief Frank Malta back to the Tip of the Spear Leadership Podcast. And today we're going to do a bonus episode, the wingman episode, and you never leave your wingman behind. Today we're going to talk about something that Frank is passionate about, which is training. And we're also going to talk about something that uh, he wanted to bring up and we're going to get into it, so we'll just dive right into it. It's called The Quiet Quitter. So, Frank, thank you for joining us. A little quick introduction, and we'll just jump right in. Hey, what's uh Okay, that sounds good. Uh, thanks for having me back, for starters. Um, yeah, so uh, Frank Malta, uh, Battalion Chief of Training for the Frederick County, Maryland Fire Department. Um, and, uh, yeah, Mike asked me to come on today, and uh, we're going to talk about the, the quiet quitter, which is uh, more of a uh, business term, a term that's kind of up uh, in regards to like the corporate world, but if you kind of analyze the definition of it, you can see the parallels in the fire department like you can many things. So uh, yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to touch on. Excellent. So let's let's get right into it. Tell us uh, what the quiet quitter is and who we can recognize. I know that or who <clears throat> how to how to deal with it. I know personally, I think you know just as your career can ebb and flow, you can have highs and lows, and you know you have to get out of it, and you know. If you're a new officer, you're a new leader, you're an experienced officer, or you're an experienced firefighter or a newer firefighter, and you know today's today's fire service is very um, very different. There's a lot of things going on, and a lot of people are having a lot of hard times. So, um, you know, you may recognize somebody that has these traits. You may feel that you, that may be you as well, and hopefully, you can police yourself, police others, and we can uh, we can get everyone back on track. So, Frank. It's up where I'm going to give it over to you. Right on. Yeah. So uh, to your point, uh, careers ebb and flow. Uh, that's that's not a new thing. And uh, sometimes people are able to recognize that on their own. Uh, and sometimes they may not recognize that there's an issue and other people recognize it. So uh, I guess ultimately what I want to touch on is is when when we um, as, as supervisors, whether it's company level leadership or battalion level leadership, um, recognize these things, how we can kind of combat them and work to, to write the course of a ship. So uh, the quiet quitter is essentially that uh, that guy or girl who, um, you know, they show up to work. They uh, do the very bare minimum to get by, um, but uh, have, for lack of better terms, lost their drive uh, to, to excel in, in whatever it is that they're doing. So in my instance, uh, that's the fire department. Um, and I, you know, I, I see individuals that suffer from this. And, and I'd be lying to say if, um, if I haven't personally, you know, had some of those ebbs and flows and, and, you know, fortunately, uh, I think I've always kind of recognized them uh, on my own. Um, but some people aren't fortunate and, and require that outside influence to, to kind of, you know, get that motivation going again. So, um, the quiet quitter, like, you know, ultimately, like what, what are some of the things that, that, spur that behavior or, you know, and, and it can be internal factors, can be external factors, um, you know, in the fire department uh, specifically, and, and I'm sure it's this way in the business world, military police. Um, sometimes people get discouraged because of um, the tempo of their organization. You know, they don't feel that they have a have a part in it or, um, you know, they, they don't uh, their, their thoughts aren't heard or, or concerns are not heard. Some of the external factors that kind of cause this is just life in general, right? We all know, you know, sure. you know, working, uh, family obligations, you know, just different things. Politics sometimes that that brings people down. You know, whatever the cause is, there's, there's you know, those are just a few of the things that kind of bring some people uh, down. So, uh, you know, recognizing that that somebody isn't you know putting out uh, to the same volume that they used to, uh, that should, as supervisors and leadership, that should kind of be a, uh, a red flag because, um, that's, that, uh, that shouldn't go, you know, that shouldn't be how it goes. We should constantly be thriving and, and working to, you know, accomplish that next thing. And when you see people that essentially, you know, it looks like they threw in the towel, uh, you know, that, that should be a red flag. So do you think it's something that you can identify? Like, would you be able to say, hey, look, I think this guy's kind of going through a moment. Um, you know, I think frustration pay, plays a lot into it. And I think that frustration, as you said, can come from many different things. But, I mean, today's modern, I mean, at least right now, I mean, everybody's short-staffed. 
everybody doesn't have any money, you know, everything in light fire departments don't have much money. Um, staffing could be low. Um, you know, the economy, I mean, that's going to play a factor into a lot of these things. What do you think is the best way we can, like, if we were to see it, like, what would you be looking for as that, um, you know, that station level guy? Or girl? Well, I mean, if you have somebody who historically, you know, comes to work fairly early, um, it's, you know, remains engaged throughout their shift, whether it be, you know, just handling business around the firehouse, whether it be their apparatus checks or uh, training. And, and you notice, you know, you start to see like a decline, uh, in their performance uh, to me, you know, if it's something where, you know, you might not immediately take action, it might be something you want to jot down some supervisory notes or something to that extent uh, to kind of keep track of uh, the behavior and see if, you know, maybe that person is having a bad day. And then obviously if it persists to me, that is an indication of a bigger issue. So um, ultimately it's going to come down to, um, you know, having that tough discussion, right. Or a tough conversation to try and get to the root cause of, of why this sudden change. Now, do you think that's something that is a, um, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Do you think that's an organizational level or organizational direction? That's, that's causing the, the, the change in behavior. Yeah. To cause a change in behavior, like the way the department's heading or some of the, you know, maybe the decisions are being made or, you know, the department's heading in a direction that overall could affect the, uh, the employees or the, the, uh, the members. Uh, yeah. I think that that's, that's one of the factors, certainly, um, you know, and, and it's natural in the fire department, everybody's got an idea, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody in their mind thinks that they have the answers to the issues and how they should be uh, resolved or, or, or tackled. And, um, you know, so sometimes, uh, you know, when those issues come up and, and a different approach is taken, some I feel like sometimes the people, uh, they don't feel like their voice is heard. And and it's it's not necessarily that the direction the fire department's going is the wrong direction. It just wasn't necessarily the way they wanted it to go. And, you know, that's part of that conversation to let them know, you know, that, hey, you know, you, you wanted it to, you wanted the resolution to be this, but, you know, maybe they didn't think of this or that. And, and, and you just have that conversation, you know, maybe try and make them see it from a different angle and understand it. So sometimes, and I'm sure you see it in your organization, people get frustrated sometimes over things that they do not fully understand, you know, and, and that's frustrating from a supervisory level because, you know, these decisions have to be made for the greater good and not so much on an individual basis. Do you think transparency could fix that? Like if you were to say, I don't know, you have your, your department doing something that you may or may not necessarily agree with, as you mentioned, and uh, do you think transparency from the people making those decisions and kind of explaining the what, the why, the where, and the how, do you think that would change things or make people a little bit um, more, I don't want to say happier about the situation, but I, I kind of feel like, you know, me personally, I think if I know why something's happening to me or my guys or the department, if I know why, I feel like I'll probably be a little bit more accepting or in time I can get over it. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, Transparency, communication, whatever you want to call it. I think if things are articulated in a manner that help people understand the reasoning or the why behind it, I think that absolutely makes it a little bit easier um, to digest. Hmm. Okay. Um, but you know, I think attitude is everything when it comes to those things, right? So if you have somebody that is, as you talked about a, uh, quiet quitter, do you think that's somebody that needs discipline as far or not discipline structure, you know, kind of like when you're a kid, you have, you know, you could tell those kids that didn't have that much discipline or structure in their lives and how they acted. Do you think any of that could kind of play hand in hand at the adult level where, um, trying to think of how to say it, where, you know, a lack of motivation could be the product of bad leadership? I certainly think that that would weigh into it or could weigh into it. Um, you know, I think as much sometimes as, as the, the guys and girls complain about the some of the structure for, you know, organizations that have a lot of that, I, I think ultimately that that is what they want. They want people to, you know, set a standard and, and enforce a standard and, um, you know, make sure that the things are ebbing and flowing the way that they're supposed to. And then in the absence of that, people kind of go about things their own way and they want to do things their own way. And then things just kind of get all out of kilter and, and, um, nobody, nobody, um, 
benefits from that. And, you know, I think leadership is always going to be, I don't want to say the answer, but I think transparency of what's going on, communicating to people that, you know, we're kind of in this together. And I think everyone kind of having the, I don't want to say buy-in on it, but because you're not always going to like the way it's, it's heading for you, right? But you can only, or you, you don't like the way the department or the decision or whatever it is may be heading in the direction, but there's nothing you can do to change it yourself, right? It's not going to, you can't wave a magic wand on your own. Your officer can't wave a magic wand. It, it's not going to work. But the best thing that we can do is control what we can. And I think with, when it comes to that, you have to start at the lowest level. So when you have someone that's not motivated or your, your crew, you see your crew lacking that motivation, it's a matter of time before it starts to crumble, right? Um, so I think leadership plays a lot into that. And I found a quote and it says, uh, in bad teams, no one leads. In good teams, coaches leave, lead, excuse me, coaches lead and championship teams, the players lead. So a lot of that comes down to um, ownership, right? So I think ownership will always be, I think, important for things such as this topic today of the quiet quitter, especially with motivation. And we have to police ourselves. We have to take care of ourselves because quite frankly, like that whole, you know, there's a, that common, common saying that I've noticed with Facebook and or the social media and the fire services, um, you know, we have to be ready for ourselves because nobody else is coming, right? It's the same thing. Sure. We can only control what we can control and we can only take care of each other because at the end of the day, there is no one else but the guys and girls to the left and the right of you, the guys on your crew. And we have to take care of ourselves because you cannot rely on anyone else and anyone else is just a bonus. And that's none of that's to be pessimistic, but you know, at that station level, which is what I want this to appeal to is the station level officers, um, you know, there's going to be times where all you can control is the four or five guys on your shift, right? You can only control it. That's all you can control. You can't wait. You can't stop things from happening. You can do your best and you can do your best to stay motivated and keep the morale up. But at the end of the day, that's, that's all we can do. So a lot of that stuff's contagious. Um, and I think as you do start to see people being ran down or, you know, uh, burn out and all those things, over time, that's going to create a system-wide effect of people feeling that way and acting that way. It's contagious, right? Let's talk about that a little bit and uh, maybe some of the traits of a system-wide effect of that quiet quitter mentality. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, like you said, you know, behaviors are contagious, good or bad behavior. Right? And uh, it's all about, it's not necessarily what you, what you preach, but what you tolerate, right? So if you have... Um, you know, these guys that are you know, Debbie Downers or that, you know, the, the person that finds the, the problem for every solution, um, you know, that behavior is going to manifest and, and other people are, are, are going to, you know, start to conduct themselves that way as well. And uh, where that becomes problematic is where, you know, you, we'll say uh, the organizations used to have, you know, like the, the person that's a year or two from retirement and they're just kind of hanging out, you know, just running down the clock. Um, you know, and, and not that that should be okay either. You know, ultimately you got to maintain, maintain running until you get to the finish line. But, um, the problem is when they conduct themselves that way and that behavior is tolerated, especially around, you know, younger individuals, you know, depending on your organization, my specific organization is an extremely young organization. And when these guys with, you know, five, seven, 10 years on the job, see that behavior and I, you know, naturally they want, they want to emulate the old guy. Right. Sure. Uh, and, and you can see then where that, that, that quiet quitter, that person who's just running the clock out, you know, with a year or two from retirement, well then that the, the, the tenure on, on the job where people start to get that behavior starts to get lower and lower. Next thing you know, you got people that only have a quarter of their career done and, and they have that, uh, that mindset, you know, then system wide, you start to feel that effect. Well, it's also a little bit about accountability as well. You know, have you ever had somebody on your shift that had a lot of time on and they're like, well, man, I got 15, 20 years on. I, I'm not doing that or, you know, you know, F it. I'm not, you know, I don't care. I got, I got 15 years left. What are they going to do to me? Like are 15 years done. I only got a few years left. What are they going to do to me? You know, I think 
you know, you got you have to police that in some way. And for the answer to that, I know I don't have it. I, I think all you can do is I don't want to say damage control, but there's ways you can uh, you can uh, deal with those people. You can motivate them. You have to hold them accountable. I mean, regardless whether you have 25 years on the job or 30 years, or you're one of these anomaly guys, and I'm sure you see it all over the big cities, you know, 40 years as a firefighter, which is very remarkable and, and, um, you know, uh, commendable, but that does not excuse you from your accountability of doing your job, right? You're just as two years or 20 years, you're just as accountable for your responsibilities. It doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? You don't get a pass. You don't get a, you don't get to skate by because of time one. You still have a job to do. So I think accountability is the biggest thing. And a lot of that would be leadership by example. So, you know, to, co- to combat that, what are some of the things we can do to really combat and curb that as it goes? Um, I don't want to say ebb and flow, but as it evolves, as that mentality starts going, because it's going to spread like cancer or wildfire. It's going to start going everywhere. We have to combat that. What would we do to combat that if we see it? So, I mean, I think ultimately uh, you need to pick that individual or group of individuals and out and you need to kind of sit them down and make it known for starters that two years on a job, 20 years on a job, the execution is the same. Uh, And then, you know, sometimes you just got to kind of relate the fire underneath of them. They they don't necessarily know it went out. Um, And, you know, one of the ways that I've combated that uh, in my time at a supervisory level is, kind of figuring out the, what their interests are, what's, um, you know, what it is that, that does get them fired up or excited and, and we'll say exploit that. Right. So, sure. Um, you know, they're, they're emphatic about this particular task in the firehouse or, you know, they're pretty, pretty well versed in a, in a certain aspect of the job, you know, starting to give them some of that buy-in, you know, encourage them to step up and, you know, take the lead on some drills or assign them tasks that, that, that gives them that ownership to where they feel, you know, like they are, are, are part of the team again, you know, not that they ever left the team, but obviously mindsets, everything. So, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, they feel uh, important and that their role is important, you know, and, and sometimes it doesn't even have to be anything of, of any magnitude, really. It could be the most minor task, keeping track of cleaning supplies, uh, leading drills on, you know, this particular task. It's small in the grand scheme of things, but it, it might just be the thing that kind of gets them going again and ultimately making them understand that regardless of how how big of a piece uh, of, in the machine that you are, uh, you know, it, it's still important, right? A car is a pretty sizable thing, but without a spark plug, it's nothing, right? So regardless of the test, big or small, you know, sometimes that, that's enough to get them going again. You know, the uh, Challenger Space, the cha- space, Challenger Space Mission was a catastrophic failure from a $1 washer. Yep. Think about that. I, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head of how much that entire mission cost to get off the ground, but it all exact. And to talk to your point is it failed because of a $1 washer, right? So no matter how big or how small, you know, you, every part is important. And one thing I like to tell people too is, you know, it's just like you could have a 50,000 piece puzzle, Right. Not every piece can be a corner piece, but you can't have a complete puzzle without every piece. That's correct. You have to, That's you correct. know, and, and every, every piece, regardless of where it is in the puzzle or where you fall in the fray of your organization or, you know, whatever, you have to be there. You have to step up and you have to fit in your part of that puzzle. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from coaching as well. Walk me through some coaching of somebody that may feel, you know, like they're kind of on the, or you may notice they're kind of on the outs. Let's say, you you know, you've talked to them, you both have kind of identified it. And uh, now you want to coach this person through it. How are we going to coach them? So, uh, and I'll beat this one to death, man, but communication is key, right? Like you have to identify the problem. You have to make the, make the, make your observations of this problem then. And then, there has to be, you know, that conversation. And like, I, again, uh, my organization is a very young organization and, and I feel like some of the, uh, the tactics as it pertains to supervisory skills, um, you know, to navigate those waters 
aren't necessarily trained upon as much as they should be. Um, I, I will say that we've gotten better uh, you know, with some of our leadership development initiatives that we've we've implemented in the division. But, uh, you know, having, having that conversation and sometimes it, it may just be as simple as starting off like, hey, what do you want to see? Right. And then that kind of lets you know where they're coming from. And then you can find that middle ground from there. You know, you might not be able to give them 100 percent of what they want, but you might be able to find that 50 to 75 percent that will appease them and, and get their interest back in and, and, you know, get them going where they need to go. And like anything, right, like we could have this conversation today and things are good for the next month and then they start to repeat. You know, So having that constant follow up and, and you know, I think it's another thing these days with with people, a characteristic that, that a lot of people possess is they need that constant reaffirmation, you know, that they're doing a good job or or, um, you know, what that what they're doing or what they've been tasked to do is uh, is critical for the success of the organization. We also have to compromise a little bit too, is what, what I think you were trying to say too, as well, sure. right? You can, I don't, I mean, personally, my experience being an officer, there's nothing wrong with compromising, but you know, you also have to have with all of this, you have to have an open mind. Like you can't be so closed minded because you're frustrated with the situation or somebody's not meeting your expectations. Cause quite frankly, there's, there's a few things when someone, you know, let's say they're going down that route of, um, you know, being the quiet quitter, you know, a lot of times people don't think that people will, will not do something cause they don't know, they don't want to, or they were never taught. Right. So actually that's saying the exact same thing, but either they, either they don't know how to do it. They were never taught how to do it or they don't know they're supposed to do it. I think I just said the same thing again, but anyway, whatever the point that I'm making is if they know better, then there's a difference. It becomes either conduct or discipline or conduct, or, um, they need to make improvements, right? Either they're not, they're falling subpar or they're intentionally saying, I'm not doing that. You have to pick that fork in the road. And I think as officers, in my experience, I think you have to keep your thumb on people, but you also have to say, all right, cool. Um, you know, your motivation is in the tank. Why? And then you listen to them. And sometimes it could be you. What, what do we do if you're, you, the officer, are the reason you have that bad morale because you are lacking as an officer, because that's a piece of the puzzle too, right? You know, we've talked about organizational wide things and we talked about staffing woes and money and that kind of stuff. And, you know, outside of work stresses, what if, what if you as the officer are the inside or not the inside, if you or the officer are the reason somebody is that, and they come and tell you, they're like, Hey, Lieutenant, I appreciate you bringing that up to me, but you're not doing your job. You're not holding your end of the bargain. Have you ever, Yep. Any experience with that or so uh, I, I did I, I, I do have uh, an example of that uh, on a personal level and, and I'll touch on that here in a minute but sure. uh, yeah I mean as supervisors like you you absolutely need to go into the things knowing that you are not always going to be right uh, the way that you approach things is not always going to be right and you have to be willing to take criticism as well right and not take it as a as a personal attack uh, you know so you, you have to set your ego to the side sometimes and and you know, somebody saying like, hey, the reason I act this way is because you constantly make us do this or, you know, you want us to be 100 percent on this, but you fail constantly, you know, at this over here, you know, and, and, and you can't let your feelings get hurt. Right. Because uh, we're all human beings. We all make mistakes. And, um, <clears throat> you know, you just have to be able to take an honest look at yourself as well sometimes. So, you know what I was getting at here is a, here's an example on a personal level. When I uh, became the captain at two engine, um, I think my, my operational tempo was a little bit different um, than the person that I relieved. And um, you know, we, we trained and I had a very high expectation. I, I hold a very high expectation for myself as well as, as my guys and we would train and, and I failed to recognize that not everybody picks up on things as fast as, as I do or the other people do. So, uh, you know, through the course of, uh, you know, running calls and this and that, and this one person who was, I would say, continually making mistakes, but they would make mistakes. And um, like we just trained on this last week and and, and just I kind of had like a zero uh, defect mentality. Right. And uh, so that person brought it to my attention. You know, I sat him down I'm like, hey, man, like, what's the deal? It's like, well, you know, every time we go out, like 
every you know, every time I do something, you always say something about it or this or that. And I realized that in 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 my in my quest for perfection, I was I was fostering a zero defect mentality. And in in turn, these guys were so worried about messing up that it was causing them to mess up more. You know, so I had to look like, hey, man, like my approach of, of, you know, balls to the wall um, is not working um, or at least not working the way I want it to right now. So how do I fix that? And um, it was it was more or less, um, you know, we kind of slowed the pace down of certain drills to make sure that the comprehension was there. Um, and then, uh, from there, uh, instead of, you know, we'll say flying off the handle, uh, when, when the expectation wasn't met, uh, use it more as a, uh, educational tool. Um, you know, and then we talked about, you know, whatever the issue was in a little bit more depth, as opposed to me being like, you gotta be kidding me. We just talked about this last week. We just did that drill this afternoon, you know, kind of slowing things down a little bit. Like, Hey, look, man, like we went over this, um, what, what caused the issue this time? You know, and just kind of, you know, sometimes it's like the little finite stuff that you um, would think is commonplace for some people and for other people, it's not, you know, so uh, that, that would probably be my most, um, the example that I, that comes first to mind for me, where somebody essentially called me out um, and, and I, I can take it, man, come at me. So, um, and I realized like, hey, you know what, maybe he's right, man, maybe I can't always be you know, the skull crusher, maybe, maybe I got to be, uh, you know, chill out a little bit and, and empathize and put myself in these guys' shoes where I would say I had a fair amount of experience and, and they hadn't quite reached that level yet. The, the amount of their experience performing some of these tasks was in training only, uh, and not in the real world, you know, so kind of empathizing and, and putting my, um, you know, putting my feet in their shoes for a little bit, I was able to figure out that I needed to back it down a click, make sure we're all on the same page and then move forward with speed. So do you think having a relationship with somebody that's subordinate to you or on your shift, do you think that personal relationship would help with that situation that you're talking about? And then the overall um, keeping someone motivated from, you know, and keeping them kind of away from starting down that path of um, that quiet quitter that we've been talking about. Because I think if you were to continue to be, hard-headed or really crush that guy i mean that's a good way to push him down that path right yeah for sure what do you think yeah so uh i definitely i definitely think that uh having those being able to have those relationships and being able to you know listen to your people and and you know then kind of strategizing how to move forward i think that is extremely important and um you know because if you're the person that they can't talk to because every time they bring something to your attention that you're doing wrong. You make a million excuses or, you know, fire back at them, you know, with, with, uh, things that say they're deficient with, um, sooner or later, they're going to, they're going to put the wall up, man. They don't want to talk to you anymore. And, and they're just, yeah, they're going to show up, keep their head down, do whatever they can to stay out of, stay off your radar. And, um, nobody wins there. Yeah. I mean, leadership in its simplest form is um, influencing other people to follow you, regardless of what you're doing. So you want to become, you want to be the kind of leader that people would want to follow voluntarily, even if you had no title or position. That kind of goes back to that quote I talked about earlier, right? Championship teams, the players lead themselves. Um, you know, and I think an element of that is going to be relationship-oriented leadership. And it's known as people-oriented leadership. It focuses on supporting and motivating teams or or works that yeah, group of groups of people and the relationships therein. Relationship-oriented leaders prioritize health, healthy work environments, team cohesion, and group members, individuals, and collective satisfaction. And I think overall, as a team, and I read that directly <clears throat> from a quote that I posted the other day. Um, you know, I think when the proverbial crap hits the fan, I think when they have that relationship with their officer, because that's where our ultimate goal is to target young officers, new officers, and the company officer in general. Um, you know, when all that happens and you have built these relationships, I think through the time of building them with people is when you're going to start recognizing the deficiency. 
right? And that's what I talked about earlier with, um, you know, getting to know your people and, you know, being able to build that foundation. Foundations are everything. And I think once you build those things and you start and you care, you really care, you're going to, that's when you'll be able to see, you know, hey, Frank's not acting normal today. I've worked with Frank for four years. You know, he busts my chops. I bust his. I said something to him today and he snapped at me and kept going, you know, walking away or whatever. I said, good morning. He didn't say anything to me. I mean, when you have that personal relationship and people want to follow you, people want to, you know, follow your lead. You know, I think that's when you'll start to really be able to identify and those things start coming on your radar. I know I'm a little off in left field with that, but, you know, I think you have to have that relationship. And, you know, typically people will follow someone from either positional power or personal power. So positional power would be, I'm Frank the Chief. I give you a direct order and you're going to do it. I mean, yeah, they're going to have to listen to you. I mean, you're, you're a chief, right? Or is there positional power or personal power, excuse me, to where I know Frank's expectations. I know Frank's, um, you know, Frank's standards that Frank preaches, right? Because the statement that you made earlier was, it's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate, right? So I know Frank wants X, Y, and Z, and I really respect Frank. Frank's a really good officer. Um, I'm going to go get it done because Frank wants it that done that way. Because I respect Frank. And that is personal power. I'm doing it because it's you, Frank. Not because you're the chief. So I think once you start as leaders, we start getting into that realm of, um, you know, where you have a strong hold of your crew and you're, and you're leading them and they respect you. There's and respects two way street. I think that's when you're able to really grasp when someone is falling off, when someone is, you know, not themselves and they're heading down that goal of becoming a quiet quitter. They are a quiet quitter or they are real. I mean, they're that other end of the spectrum where it's blatantly obvious where they just don't care anymore. Um, I know that was long winded, but I do think it comes all wraps back into uh, how we combat that by recognition, by doing our job and our due diligence as the officer, by caring and really putting forth that effort. So, you know, a lot of that goes into making expectations known, like we talked about. Um, the one thing that we haven't touched on yet that we have down is uh, setting goals. So, Let's talk a little bit about setting goals. I'll end my I'll end my monologue, and uh, talk to me about how setting goals can help with that. Yeah, I mean, so setting goals is important, right? Because that, that's all part of the growth process is accomplishing. You know, one thing, moving on to the next thing, or you can do a couple simultaneously, depending on the magnitude. But ultimately, it's having goals, giving people something to strive for, constantly work towards. Without them, it's very easy to become stagnant. So. Um, you know, and that's part of finding out, having that conversation. And, you know, for me, like when I was a company level officer, whether I was newly assigned to a company or I had somebody new to the company come to me, um, day one, man, was sitting them down and going over the expectations. And part of that conversation was also like, what are your goals? And, and, and I, I left it pretty open-ended, man. Like I left it, uh, you know, professionally or, or personal goals, you know, Hey, Oh, Hey, I want to be a wagon driver professional example or you know i really like to lose 20 pounds i like to get a college degree or whatever and finding out what those goals are um and then you as that that leader um, have the ability to to uh, you know kind of uh what's the, what's the word i'm looking for here uh enable them to accomplish uh, those goals so if it's something where hey i want to be a wagon driver I'm like all right cool you got enough time on a job i think you got a pretty good grasp of what it is to be a fireman. You've you know ridden backwards long enough. Um, what's the first step? All right, well, you need to get your license or you need to take pumps class. And then we'll get to the point where, all right, we, we need to run you through some drills, right? And those are things that though that's somebody's personal goal, those are things that the entire company can benefit from as well. If you got somebody that's working to be a wagon driver, well, the whole rest of your shift gets to pull lines and, you know, sure. that, you know, so it's, sure. it's kind of, and it also sets the example, right? So all the rest of the people are like, wow, you know, Frank put a lot of effort toward getting John, you know, to drive the wagon. Yeah, 
I want to be, I want to be this or that, you know, I, I know now that I can go to Frank and he's going to, he's going to work within his power to help me attain my goals. You know, ultimately they're your goals, right? You know, you have to put forth yeah. the well, but having that outside push or say, Hey man, how's college going? Uh, I didn't, I'm not taking any classes this semester. I'm like, well, why's that? Oh man, I'm too busy. This and that. Well, you know, man, maybe to, even if it's just one, we got to continue to maintain that, that forward ugh, momentum. Um, you know, so because it's very easy once you stop something, it's tough sometimes to get started again. So not necessarily that you have to be their guardian or, you know, act like their parent, you know, and be on them in that manner. But tactfully, you know, putting that putting that motivation or, you know, kind of that foot on their back to kind of continue to push them forward. Um, you know, those are I, those are just a couple examples of goals, you know, over the years and in, in those conversations I've had, I've had goals ranging from. You know, you know, I, I want to buy a house to, uh, you know, I want to be, I want to promote to, I want to be the chief someday, you know, and uh, not that I have all the answers, but, um, you know, I, I do have what I think is, is uh, enough experience, um, both professionally and life experience to kind of help, you know, get those people pointed in the right direction and at least get them started. And, and I think probably worth mentioning is, you know, because of the manner that I approached it, where they were personal or professional goals, you know, those are traits within a leader as well. Not all of the, the problems somebody's going to present to you with are going to be problems specific to the organization, right? So not every goal somebody has is going to be um, something fire department related. Um, you're going to have goals that are just life life experience goals, you know, that, that me being a little bit older than some of these guys that I might be able to offer some suggestions based on having experienced it before you now. And, and that's, that's another thing I really, really think it helps to build the trust is where they can talk to you and confide in you and seek your guidance on issues that aren't even organizationally related. So do you think that, uh, mentoring is just as important as accountability? A hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Because like some of these guys, you know, depending where they've worked, who they've worked for, what their home situation is, they don't have that person or persons to go to, to seek that advice. Right. So, you know, I tell guys all the time, like especially the guys that come out here to work for me at the academy and run the recruit classes like, hey, you're the recruit class commander. You're making sure these guys are spun up on you know the foundation uh, or the foundational uh, aspects of the job. Uh, but you're also their marriage counselor, their financial planner, you know, you're, you're kind of helping them navigate all kinds of challenges that they may never have experienced before and, and essentially feel lost, you know, without any kind of guidance. So uh, being a supervisor, being a leader uh, within an organization sometimes is, is way more than just organizational tests. Yeah. And you know, the, that, uh, that common, the kitchen table is your doctor, your pediatrician, your marriage counselor, your lawyer, your architect, your landscaper, I mean, it's a little bit of everything, but I think ultimately, just like anything else collectively, that's what's going to get people through it. You know, there's something to be said about having a bad day or a bad time or having a lot going on in your life where you feel like everything's crumbling around you and you go to the firehouse, you go in the kitchen with the guys and they just beat the shit out of you, bust your balls and you really respect and care about them. It's, it makes you feel better, you know? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think to me, the most rewarding thing I've done in my per professional life, the most rewarding thing I've done where I feel like I've really gotten something out of it and I've really um, helped people was when I got promoted to be a lieutenant. Now, you know, I feel like that's where I have the mo ability to help people the most because now I have power, right? I can mentor you and I could talk to you and I could help you with a lot of things. Outside of work, that's one thing. I can't control much outside of work, right? At work, I have authority, I have power, or I have authority in a position to where it's not just, all right, hey, let me go ask the officer, we, let's get you taken care of. Now it's, I'm a lieutenant, so I can tell that battalion chief, no. I'm drawing a line on the sand. We're going to fix this. We're going to help this person or whatever. I can advocate with authority to help someone. And I mean, I don't know if that's something that you've had experiences with, I, you know, if, and I feel like if I can do something to grasp one person and help them change for the better, then, you know, mission complete, right? That's why we're here. Yeah. So, 
like ultimately like that's that, that's kind of my story as a whole man i had zero ambitions of ever promoting i enjoyed being a fireman i enjoyed being a wagon driver um I, I embraced the concept of being the senior man. So I was kind of like that intermediary between the station level officer and the younger guys. You know, sometimes they felt comf- more comfortable talking to me about things than say the, the station officer. And, and that's fine. And a lot of organizations that that concept works. Um, but the, the lieutenant that I, that I drove said, Hey man, like you should really consider promoting, you know, it's not just running calls. You know, when you look in the grand scheme of things, once you hit the supervisory level, man, it's like an iceberg. Like what you see above water is calls. And then below that, all the administrative tasks and roles and things that you have to function in is, is really the bigger picture. And I think a lot of people lose that um, that, that concept. So, yeah, I, you know, I took the test. I became a lieutenant and I was like, wow, you know, I had the, the ability to influence a, a shift. And that was that was exciting. And then um, I said, well, all right, well, you know, as a captain, then you have the ability to influence a house. Um, which, you know, station two was, was what, you know, what I call home and I worked the better part of my career there. And I, and I got to see those effects as a station commander when I was, was there as a captain. Uh, so then, yeah, that's what kind of inspired me to take it further, man. If, if you could at a Lieutenant level, inspire a shift, um, at a captain level, you inspire a house and battalion level, you, you know, you, you have the ability to, uh, inspire an entire battalion worth of houses. So that was kind of the drive, but to your point, it's not always leadership uh, isn't always, you know, telling the company line and, and you know, hey, man, chief said, we got to do this. We got to do this. You know, sometimes and, and tactfully, of course, you have to be the advocate for, um, you know, your guys and girls. And, and, you know, if the, you know, the chief wants to come down hard and say, Hey, why wasn't this happening? Or why didn't they do this or that? And, you know, kind of be that intermediary. And it is, it's a delicate, um, a delicate, uh, you know, line to toe, you know, you have to be tactful, obviously, and respect the rank and position. But, uh, you know, at times, yeah, you have to be that advocate, right? And, and you know, kind of uh, air some of your concerns with, with, with uh, orders or policies and that. And there's, there's a proper channel for that, right? So, you know, this and this is probably going to go down a different avenue here. But, you know, as a station level officer or that, that company level leadership, whatever you want to call it, you know, if, if you're constantly always complaining to your guys about what's going on above you, then you're not really doing your job, right? Because that's kind of a two-way street as, you know, you have to you have to carry the, the organizational message. But at the same time, if, if there's genuinely a conflict or, or you have issues with it, whether it be a safety issue or just the effectiveness of it, um, you know, going through the proper channels to write the course as to being that constant complainer and no actions getting taken, which in turn then breeds the quiet quitter mentality. Sure. And you have to be able to comp- combat that by having all the negativity go up and positivity come down. You, you know, there's going to come a time where things are going to come from above you that I, I mean, I'm trying to think of how to say this. Uh, I'm sure any officer in their career has had situations or times where things were coming down the pipe and it was just, you know what, I'm not passing this along. It's stopping at me. And you come, you combat it, you fight it, or um, you handle it, you know, or whatever. And you don't allow that to get to the guys, you know what I mean? And I think a lot of that, something else to kind of speak to that as well is, you know, giving, letting the guys be the guys is really, really important. Creating that little bit of separation between you and them. I mean, you, at the station level, I mean, you're one of the guys to a point but you're really not one of the guys because you're still, you're yeah. still the authority. You, you know what I'm saying? But you're at the level where you can still be on their level. The reason why I bring that up is if you create that, that gap, that little, they understand that. And I think with human nature, just as your parents, I, I think it's the same. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they care, you know, they're there for you. Yeah. You're still family, but you know, they're still, they're still the boss, right? Yeah. So it's a lot, it's a lot different when they can come down and say, Hey man, like got some stuff going on. I need you guys to handle X, Y, and Z. And it's literally all, and you have behind you is A, B, C, D, E, and F, but you're not going to tell them about it. You know what I mean? Let's just handle this. The situation's over. Now they did what they needed to do. You can go back to your boss. Hey, we got it squared away. We're good. And then it's over. And you're that buffer, that middle man. Um, and I think a lot of that, it comes from being able to create that little bit of separation with your crew and not separation. Like I, and I have to clarify that not saying you're not part of the crew, but there, there does have to be 
You know what I mean? Because, I mean, I think ultimately, at least in my experiences, you know, when you go on a call and stuff or, you you know, whatever, you're doing whatever it is you're doing as a crew, as a team, you want that kind of team where it's hard to figure out who's really in charge. Yeah. When you refer to that little bit of separation, or I think the best way that I've ever heard it um, articulated was uh, you're the designated adult. And that's not necessarily... uh, that's not necessarily saying that they're children or, you know, they're, they're, you know, said in a derogatory manner, but ultimately you're the one that's responsible for carrying that message, um, you know, for the organization, but at the same time, looking out for the well-being and the best interests of your, of your guys. And there's, there's a difference between looking out for the best interests of your guys and letting them get away for, with murder. You know what I mean? Sure. And I think creating that separation to where there's, that blurring of the lines of buddy and boss. I think when you have that separation, it gives you a more, gives you a clearer perspective of what's going on. You know, like it kind of sucks. I don't want to say sucks, but like it kind of stinks. Cause you're kind of like, man, I really want to be one of the guys. Like I really miss being one of the guys, but if you get so far in and you try to be one of the guys and buddies, now you need to turn around and be the boss. It sucks. It's not going to work. You don't back off. You come in consistent with your expectations. You come in consistent with, you know, what you're saying and what you're tolerating, right? You got to keep that high. You know, again, like you said before, it's not what you preach, it's what you tolerate. So if what you preach and what you tolerate are the same thing and you create that separation, I think that again gives you the ability to not be so caught up in it. You don't start recognizing your people when they slip. And by slip, I mean when they start going down the wrong path or the wrong road or they start having problems at home. Now they're having all these other issues and you'll be able to catch that because you're able to get that that uh, that overall view, that um, that long term or that um, 3000 foot view. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's it's one of the things, man, and it's it's a tough transition. It is a tough transition to make to go from being a fireman to um you know, that, that company level officer sometimes because, uh, you know, unpopular opinion, um, there's a different expectation for you now. And um, some people have a hard time with that. And, and it's really not negotiable. man. I, I guess the job, you know, you, you're you're the one that um, ultimately is responsible for those those people, as well as being responsible for carrying out the mission of the organization. And making sure they do it as well, because you have to personify that. Correct. You have to lead by example. And right, wrong, or not right, wrong, or different. Whether it's popular or not, you have to do it. You know, you have to be the one to continue to do the right thing, even when everyone else is telling you it's wrong, they don't want to do it, whatever it is. And if you don't, you're not doing your job. Correct. And it's not fun. It kind of sucks. But you still have to consistently do the right thing, even when it's not popular. You, you know what I mean? Yep. And that's not a fun position to be in. I mean, there's been situations where, you know, where I was the officer and the people I was with um, didn't agree with what was going on. And unfortunately the points they had were very, very good and very, very valid. I'm not going back to the chief and saying no. I mean, within reason, I mean, if it's morally, ethically, all that illegal, all that, of course, we're not going to do it, but it was an unpopular thing that we, that had to get taken care of. They didn't like it. And it was, yeah, no, I understand. No, I hear you guys. And yeah, you're right, but we're still doing this because it's not going to affect anyone's safety, well-being, you know, legality, morality, any of that stuff. We have to do it. it sucks. But at the end of the day, it's going to get done. You, you know what I mean? And and you still have to be able to make those calls like, I don't know, you don't want to be writ and your crew doesn't want to be writ. Well, we have to be writ. Or, hey, we can get the line in place here. Well, let's jump, go around that other crew. No, we're not doing that. That's not our job. Our job is to do this. That's what we're doing. Yeah. And you have to be able to do that because you have to lead by example. If so we got a little bit like going, you know, continue to go down using that example, you know, anybody that's been to, uh, you know, any, any more than one fire realizes when somebody fails to post in their position, that, that starts the downward spiral of an incident. So, you know, it's not, uh, it's, it's a, you got to be disciplined, um, you know, you, you don't ever see the soccer goalie come out because they want to kick the ball and score a goal too. They take their position and, and that's how it goes, you know, and, and that's, sure. that's part of that discipline and, and, you know, doing, doing the, the hard right over the easy wrong. Yeah. And, you know, in the moment it may feel like it's easier to go along to get along, 
but in longevity and over time, big picture wise, it's the worst thing to do because yeah, you know, in the moment, all right, cool. Now we're on the same page. These guys are going to like me, but over time they're going to continuously push you around and push you over and do what they want. And you're going to lose control. And once you lose control of a shift or a crew or a team, have fun. Cause it's going to be absolutely miserable. Yeah. You're not get anything question, accomplished. Go ahead. The question always comes up like, Oh yeah. That one time, you know, we did this, we were supposed to do this and uh, yeah, that was cool and it was fun and it worked out and it appeased everybody. And then somebody goes and does something else that's wrong. And then you try and crack down and you're like, well, why was it okay when you did that? But now, you know, then when I do it, it's not a, it's not cool. You know? So like, that's where that, that lack of consistency comes in. You lose all credibility. Sure. And then once you start doing that over time, people are start getting frustrated. They're going to start getting disconnected and they're going to turn into a quiet quitter. Boom. Boom. So <laughs> we're right at that one hour mark, Frank. Um, I think this is going to be a good place to stop. This is a good episode. I mean, it's always a good episode or a good time when we get together and we get to talk fire, fire department stuff. I really enjoy it. Um, you know, the leadership is something that I, I really enjoy. Uh, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure as always. Very good topic. Something that, um, unfortunately I've been on both sides of the fence as an officer of being the guy that's kind of the quiet quitter and the guy having someone that's kind of being the quiet quitter and being that way as a firefighter and seeing both sides. And, you know, it's very interesting when you're the one that's the problem, right? You're the guy causing the problems. And then somebody helps you get it fixed. Now you turn around a few, few years later and now you're fixing problems. So, you know, I think this is an all hands on deck effort. I think this is something that everyone has to do. So, um, there's, everyone has to police themselves and each other, take care of each other. And, uh, if you see somebody kind of meeting all this, we got to take care of them. So, uh, Frank, thanks for coming out. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Stand by real quick before we go. I'm going to wrap this up. And before we get going, I want to take a moment and thank you all, the listeners, for all the love and support and all of your support on social media. Right now, as of today, we're approaching 9,500 downloads as total. We're looking at about 3,800, almost 4,000 followers across the social media platforms. And we're right around a four and a half rating on Apple Podcasts. Now, all of this is due to your support. Thank you guys for coming back to listen again. Make sure you, sp you spread all this out to your friends and your family. Uh, please follow Frank. Is What was your social media again, Frank? Firefighting Chief. Firefighting Chief on Instagram. We're going to add some of those links into the uh, description for this. And uh, make sure you guys subscribe and share our podcast with your friends. Give us that five-star like because that's going to help us grow our podcast and our community. So thanks for listening. Hope you guys have a great day. And tip the spear leadership. Be present. Be yourself. Be unstoppable. Thanks, guys.